Legal malware, that's what one expert is calling today's social media apps. Tristan Harris had this to say, the average person checks their smartphone 150 times per day. Why do we do this? It's the number one ingredient in slot machines, intermittent variable rewards. Addictiveness is maximized when the rewards are variable. Technology hijacks the way we perceive our choices and replaces them with new ones. What vulnerabilities lie within these apps? And is Beijing poised to exploit them? Let's dive in. Welcome to China in Focus. I'm Tiffany Meyer. In today's episode, we hear from Rex Lee, cybersecurity advisor at MySmart Privacy. He explains why he calls social media apps legal malware, how the apps are intentionally designed to be addicted, and how America's adversaries, like Beijing, could take advantage of those vulnerabilities. Here's more. Rex, thank you so much for joining us. Great to have you back on the show. Thank you, Tiffany, for having me on the show this week. So, Rex, to begin, as a cybersecurity and app and platform developer, what are some of the like biggest cases you've worked on in your career? Well, as you know, I'm an advisor for the U.S. government. I've been an advisor for the Department of Homeland Security regarding the DHS study on mobile device security, which was published in 2017. I've also been an advisor to the NSA as well as uh, lawmakers regarding big tech hearings. I've been an advisor for the Senate and House Judiciary Committees regarding the Facebook Cambridge Analytica hearings all the way through the 230 hearings, as well as the most recent hearings involving Facebook, Instagram, whistleblower Francis Hagen. And Rex, it seems when we talk about these different social media platforms or big tech, one area that comes up is the kind of information trafficking business. So to begin, what is that and where is this headed? Well, most people think companies like Facebook and Google are technology companies. They're really information trafficking companies, meaning that they use technology as a vehicle to monitor, track, and data mine their end users. Think of social media platforms and intrusive apps that support your smartphone as legal malware or surveillance and data mining platforms that enable these developers to surveil and data mine their end users for financial gain. That's the business that they're in. So they use technology to collect as much information on the end user as possible. For example, an app, and the reason I call apps legal malware is because the app enables the developer to surveil, data mine the end user while collecting over 5,000 highly confidential data points associated with the end user's personal, business, medical, legal, and employment information since the surveillance and data mining is indiscriminate, meaning that it takes place 24 by 7. So when you have an app on your phone, it always has control of your camera and your microphone, and it's enabling the developer to collect things like your text messages, your email messages, your calendar events, and so forth, while it attaches itself to your um, sensors like your accelerometer, uh, so that they can conduct audio, video, and physical surveillance on you. This is how they make their money. So in the old days when you surfed onto Facebook before Facebook proliferated to mobile devices, they were only able to surveil you when you were on your PC. But now that it's on your mobile phone through the app that supports your mobile phone, the app is what's uh, enabling the developer to surveil and data mine you. It's not while you're on the platform anymore. It's, it's as long as that app is active on your smartphone, your connected TV, your PC, and so forth. 
And Rick, speaking of that, it seems nowadays, you know, a lot of us buy things online, so all our credit card information is on there. And as you mentioned, legal malware. So how are these apps different from weapons, or are they different? Well, uh, today, what I, what I generally tell people, because I speak at trade shows, is that for the first time in history, we see companies weaponizing their products against their end users in order to exploit their end users for financial gain, meaning that the platforms are developed to basically turn the end user into a product that can be monetized and exploited for financial gain. It used to be you got something for free, um, such as a Facebook account before it, it proliferated to smartphones and mobile devices. You traded your personal information to be on Facebook and Facebook collected that information when you were on their platform. And the information correlated to what you were doing on Facebook and the consumer information that they could collect on you. And then they uh, then would do targeted ads to get you to buy things. Today, that model's gone. Today, they're just surveilling and data mining you um, via products and services that we're paying for, such as our smartphones, our PCs, our connected vehicles, our smart TVs. All of these products cost money. So now we're paying for the products and we're getting nothing in return for free while they collect all of our personal information and our business information, package it, monetize it, and uh, make money. The problem with this is not it's not only US app and platform developers that can do this. The problem that we're seeing today regarding privacy, cybersecurity, is the fact that nation state app developers or companies from adversarial countries such as China and Russia are developing these apps like ByteDance. ByteDance is a developer of TikTok, as well as Tencent is the developer of WeChat. Those are the two most popular uh, social media apps in the world. They're surpassing Facebook and so forth. So we're seeing this uh, proliferate to app and platform developers from China and Russia. Prisma Labs is another one. They have the most uh, popular photo editing app in the world, and they're an Android app developer, so they develop apps for the Android operating system, which is Google. And speaking of that, since there is a financial aspect for these, you know, apps, it seems, you know, in a lot of ways, many people are becoming addicted <laughs> to scrolling endlessly. So what do you see in that area? Are they trying to make us addicted? What's happening here? That's done by design. Um, the apps, the way I describe the apps is they're intrusive, addictive, and manipulative. And they're supported by predatory terms of service. If you don't click on I agree to accept the terms of service that support the apps, you can't use it. And then often if you don't accept the terms of use, you can't even use your smartphone because the operating systems are intrusive as well. So if you don't accept the uh, terms of use, a lot of times you can't even use your product. But the apps themselves are intentionally designed to be addictive, not according to me, but according to recent public admissions by uh, Meta co-founder, which is Facebook, uh, Sean Parker, uh, who admits this fact, as well as uh, Tristan Harris, a former product designer for Google. As a matter of fact, uh, uh, Sean Parker said this during an Axios interview. It's a social validation feedback loop, the kind of thing that a hacker like myself would come up with because you're exploiting vulnerabilities in human psychology. God only knows what it's doing to our children's brains. The inventors, creators, it's me, it's Mark Zuckerberg, Kevin Sistrom of Instagram. It's all of us understood this consciously and we did it anyways. That's his direct quote. So what he's talking about 
regarding social validation feedback loops, that's associated with brain hijacking technology associated with manipulative advertising technology. This is an actual class taught at Stanford University where a lot of these app developers go and they take this class and they go to work for app developers in uh, Silicon Valley. One other quote I'd like to read to you from uh, Tristan Harris that, that really highlights brain uh, hijacking. Tristan Harris had this to say, the average person checks their smartphone 150 times per day. Why do we do this? It's the number one ingredient in slot machines, intermittent variable rewards. Addictiveness is maximized when the rewards are variable. Technology hijacks the way we perceive our choices and replaces them with new ones. Coming up, how is Beijing's unrestricted warfare against the West playing out on social media? And a closer look at a defense bill lobbyists from TikTok seem to be targeting. We hear from Rex Lee, cybersecurity advisor at MySmart Privacy, after the break here on China in Focus. Welcome back to China in Focus. I'm Tiffany Meyer. How is China applying its unrestricted warfare on the technology front? And why are TikTok lobbyists taking aim at a Pentagon bill? We tap Rex Lee, cybersecurity advisor at MySmart Privacy, for insight. Seems recently, right, we're seeing headlines say, I think Twitter just took down 2,000 accounts that were, you know, related to China and also doing election interference. TikTok was not stopping misinformation around the election, apparently. So where do you see all of this headed? Well, you know, there's unrestricted hybrid warfare, which we spoke about in our last interview. Unrestricted hybrid warfare was waged against the West in the mid-90s by China which is simply warfare without rules that targets everybody, including teens, children, and business uh, professionals, and so forth, elected officials. And we see this going on today. So now what they're doing is applying that to technology, which is tech-based hybrid warfare. And, uh, and these companies are utilizing these social media platforms uh, for election interference, uh, misinformation, disinformation, and so forth. And we're seeing that uh, uh, how they're being used. Again, what they'll do is they'll have a boiler room of uh, individuals who have accounts on various uh, social media platforms. It doesn't have to be just the Chinese platforms like WeChat and TikTok. It could be Facebook. It could be Twitter or any, any other account. The Russians are doing the same thing. And then what they do is they bait people into political discourse. Well, the algorithms uh, for these social media platforms to keep people coming back are de designed on purpose uh, to cause discourse uh, between social media and users. And they're also designed to keep people in their own echo chamber so that they hear the same ideas over and over. So when there is discourse, they'll keep coming back to their social media page to, to view that discourse. And this is where, this is what we see. This is highlighted very much in detail in the Netflix documentary, The Social Dilemma, and also the Netflix documentary, The Great Hack, The Great Hack, <clears throat> which is centered on the Facebook Cambridge Analytica uh, uh, scandal. So they highlight that in both of these documentaries of how big tech is utilizing these algorithms, uh, A, to keep people in their own echo chambers, and B, to cause discourse between end users so that they keep coming back and they're always constantly staring at their screens. That's part of the addictive nature of these platforms. 
And Rex, given this like addictive and I think you also mentioned manipulative nature as we're seeing play out in elections or ahead of elections, what is the effect on especially younger children who are on these apps? Well, back in, uh, again, in 2011 is a pinnacle year. So look, think of it this way. Up until 2011, we accessed our social media accounts through a URL. We connected to Facebook. We had to go to www.facebook.com and get on our Facebook account. That all changed in uh, 2011 when apps were created for smartphones that were pre-installed into the smartphone. So when you bought an Android device, the Facebook app was already pre-installed in there and you were able to access your account uh, by going through the app. This meant that uh, uh, social media became mobile and connected to you 24 by seven, 365 days a year. Everywhere where you take that device, uh, social media is gonna follow you. Well, consequently, what uh, medical experts, and again, this is highlighted in the social dilemma. If you go to the Netflix documentary, Social Dilemma, and see this, you'll see medical experts in there that, that have followed the rise of uh, mental illness, um, um, depression, anxiety, self-harm, and suicides are up double digits among social media end users, especially young ones and females in particular. Uh, it's up double digits since 2011 when they can go back and track the proliferation of social media to mobile devices, meaning that people aren't just on the social media platform when they come home from school or work for a few hours. They're pretty much on these platforms most of the day, and they're constantly checking their phone. As Tristan Harris said, the average person checks their phone over 150 times a day. That's that addictive nature of it, and that's what's causing the anxiety the depression, the self-harm, and the, the uptick in suicides among uh, social media end users. And Rex, why isn't anything being done about this? Aren't, it seems like there are laws in place to protect not just consumers, but also children. So why isn't the government maybe protecting you know us? At our government, meaning the FTC, and state consumer agencies that roll up to state AGs are failing to enforce existing consumer privacy and protection laws, um, uh, including uh, privacy and protection laws for children. It's illegal for any child under 13 to be on any social media platform. You have to be 13 or older. Uh, yet we see that TikTok and other social media platforms are being marketed to children. Well, this is highly illegal because basically what's happening is once you're on the platform, you're being exploited for financial gain at the expense of your privacy. And, and that's another issue that's going on here is a lot of people say, well, it's no big deal. We've lost our privacy. Well, it's not that we just, it's bad enough to lose privacy, but what's going on here is we're being exploited for financial gain at the expense of our privacy and safety since the apps are uh, uh, intentionally developed to be addictive and that addictiveness through brain hijacking technology is causing harm to the uh, social media end user. So in the end, it's a failure on the government and the FTC. They should be protecting consumers against this highly addictive and harmful technology. And they've been told about it through countless government hearings, congressional hearings that basically end up with meaningless resolve and phony apologies, yet the government isn't stepping in and uh, protecting kids. Even in light of these admissions made by Sean Parker and Tristan Harris, as well as Francis Hagen, um, you have industry professionals coming out stating that their products are addictive and harmful, and yet the FTC is just sitting back and state AGs are just sitting back when it comes to big tech and not investigating the fact that uh, end users 
are uh, depressed. They, they're, they're full of anxiety. They're uh, uh, involved in self-harm, and some are actually killing themselves and, and committing suicide over, over the harm. And this is, a, this is what I see as a failure. And Rex, you mentioned earlier how it's not just U.S. companies that have, you know, this addictive, manipulative algorithms, but also external ones. And it seems one of the points that's often brought up is foreign tech lobbies in D.C., which seem to help make the government turn a blind eye. So what's what's your take on this whole deal? It, it's, it's not foreign tech lobbies. It's the U.S.-China tech lobby together. It's U.S. companies and uh, Chinese companies um, that are manipulating our laws, including laws associated with the Defense Department. I'll go into that in a minute. And what, what I, what I, I've written articles uh, that basically state that the U.S.-China tech lobby poses a national uh, security threat to the U.S., but it also poses massive privacy and cyber security and safety threats to U.S. citizens who use this technology. And the problem is the fact that uh, whether it's companies from China or the U.S., they're hiring law firms such as American Continental Group, which was hired by uh, TikTok developer ByteDance out of China, and uh, lobbyist David Urban, a former Trump advisor uh, who lobbies on behalf of ByteDance to U.S. lawmakers. Now, I did a little bit of research, and I found out some of the bills that they're uh, trying to manipulate in Congress. One of them is uh, DOD Bill S-1790. That's Defense Department or military. It's associated with our military. That's the Defense Authorization Act. And I couldn't believe that, you know, uh, if, you, if you don't understand this, all lobbying efforts are transparent. So you can look up what these law firms are lobbying. And when I saw that bill there, I had to ask myself, what's a Chinese... Uh, so, uh, a social media platform development company doing, trying to manipulate a bill, a DOD bill. This is how powerful they are. And Rex, any last words you'd like to add? Yes, if, uh, if people, uh, if they want more information about addictive technology and the harm it's doing to children, Tristan Harris is a great resource. Um, he has a group, uh, he has a, a nonprofit called Humane uh, Technology. So if you look up Tristan Harris and Humane Technology, that's a great resource for parents because their kids are utilizing this highly addictive uh, uh, and dangerous uh, technology as well as some of the parents themselves are so addicted. Again, I write a lot of articles on the on uh, this. They can look up my uh, author page at the Epic Times, Rex Emily at Epic Times. I've written a, a ton of articles on these, uh, these issues as well as they can go to my website, uh, MySmartPrivacy, www.MySmartPrivacy.com. Thank you. Rex, thank you so much for joining us. Great to have you on the show. Thank you for having me. Thanks for watching China in Focus. I'm Tiffany Meyer. But before you go, we'd like to thank today's sponsor, email and messenger app Secure. Every click, every post you share online is scanned and monitored. Big tech is watching. Your data is not yours, and it's being mined and stolen. In 2020 alone, over 150 million Americans were affected by data leaks. The average American's personal data was stolen over four times during the course of the year. Now, there's a new way to build privacy online. Introducing email and messenger apps Secure. 
Secure servers and data center are hosted in Switzerland, home to the world's strictest data privacy laws. Secure is the only secure messaging and email app that does not rely on big tech companies like Amazon, Google or Microsoft. It uses proprietary encryption technology and an independent platform to safeguard your data. Secure doesn't ask for your phone number or copy your contacts. Instead, add people through their secure numbers. And for non-secure users, there's a chat by invite feature. Visit secure.com to learn more. Get started with Secure Messenger for just $5 or $10 for the email and messenger package. Use promo code Tiffany for 25% off. Secure, the true solution for your digital privacy and security. Secure is a private and secure messaging and email solution hosted in Switzerland using military-grade encryption and Swiss privacy laws, giving you true privacy. Secure is 100% private and does not collect or sell any of your personal data. Secure's Helix technology connects you securely to our Swiss servers without the need of a VPN, guaranteeing privacy and security for all your communications. Secure Messenger doesn't require your phone number or any personal data that hackers target. Chat by Invites allows you to chat privately and securely with anyone outside of your secure network without the need for others to download Secure. Secure Send offers you a private and secure way to email anyone outside of Secure. You won't find this level of privacy or security on any other email or instant messaging application. Visit secure.com. Regain and protect your privacy today.